0: Coming up on Chasing the Natty, everyone is in their playoffs officially. Congratulations to all of you who have made it this far. However, records don't matter anymore. It's a clean slate for everyone now, and all that matters is winning each week. In order to help you with that, we'll be here to recap what we've learned from Week 11, and of course, bring you a whole slate of waiver wire pickups just for this week's games. All this and more coming right after this.
1: Beat. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trade Henderson! As advertised, touchdown, Buckeyes!
0: This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase 90 Natty Podcast. Hope so you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. Many of you, I would hope, celebrating your entry into your league's CFF playoffs for this year, or if you're in C 2 C, and really, if you're in the playoffs this week, congratulations! You have worked your butt off to get to this point. Either you have coasted through the entire season, and you've just this was a foregone conclusion, or the last couple of weeks you have been scraping and fighting for every win that you could possibly get in order to reach this point. So to all of you, congratulations, and let's help you Let's help you guys win these next upcoming weeks. In order to do that, I have my awesome co-host with me, as always, Mr. Nate Marquise, uh, team member here at Campus of Canton for the CFFT. Nate, how are you doing tonight, sir? Or this morning, afternoon? I can't keep track of time anymore. <laughs>
1: I'm fantastic all day dude don't worry about it. Uh it doesn't matter if it's morning, noon or night. Um yeah, I'm I'm good. Uh watched a a whole lot of college football yesterday. I'm excited to talk about some playoff matchups. Um my wife uh, had a, had a little bit of a girls night on Friday night where I was in charge of the kid, so it she kind of um, flipped the script for me on Saturday, took care of all the uh, kid duties as far as bath time, mealtime, putting out of bed. So freed up a lot of uh, of uh, college football watching for me, which was great because uh, the evening slate uh, was some really interesting, high-scoring, action-packed type games. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I had a good time yesterday. Um, for those of you who have listened to this show for a long time um, – my uh old co-host Xavier uh, he and I met up yesterday we met up at a bar in uh near Atlanta and we just watched football for like god it had to have been like four or five hours straight it was just the two of us it was great uh had some nice. had okay so <laughs> we ordered it we ordered a 10piece uh, chicken finger plate between the two of us right because you're like okay that'll be like enough <laughs> for the two of us maybe we order some more food later uh, kind of deal, like, this will keep us going for, like, a couple hours maybe, right? And, like, yeah. you're thinking chicken fingers. You're thinking, like, this big. For those of you who are listening to the podcast I'm holding my fingers up, and it's probably, like, I'm thinking, like, you know, five, six inches long and yeah. stuff like that. That's a chicken finger, right? Right. These things were, like... Two and a half inches long. No, no, chicken nuggets. They were basically chicken nuggets. <laughs> they were basically chicken nuggets. They didn't look all that great either. Literally, um, I sent my pic. I sent it to. I sent it to- a picture to uh, one of my old roommates, and he says that looks like some somebody sneezed into the fryer and then put it on your plate. It was like the least appetizing thing. Look, I-, I will say though, it tasted pretty good. It tasted okay. pretty good. Um, but again, for it was like 21- 21 bucks for the ten. 10- plate. wow it was yeah it I mean, we split it but still like it was not worth it at all uh i got some sweet potato <laughs> fries later those were actually pretty decent and they, uh, that,
1: was it a good uh viewing experience did they at least have a number of tvs going oh games? they they
0: had tvs all over the place like this okay. was this was a bar like made for sports watching and the best part was there wasn't a lot of people out like again the, the, the okay. uga game was at night so like we just caught the noon slate and like the first half of the afternoon slate and so we just sat there for a good while and like there's hardly anybody there um if you ever needed a waitress you just kind of walked up to the bar and said hey this is what we want like yeah it was really really nice so great time (laughs) overall yesterday and we watched a lot of good football games yesterday so let's get to it do i want to get my spiel now or do i want to get my spiel later nate you decide for me this week um. Let's
1: do it. Let's go
0: ahead and just fire it off now, man. Go for it. Well, then let's get right to it. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Love hearing from you guys down there in the comments section. If you're listening to this on podcasts, make sure you follow us there and leave a five-star review wherever you can. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Go ahead, take a few minutes and leave us a five star review and a written review as well. Those help us out a ton in terms of getting the podcast in front of other people who might be interested in this show. So please, please, please do that. Same thing with all the engagements on YouTube and everything. The more you like it, the more you comment, the more you engage with the video, the better it is for us in terms of reaching a broader audience. And one day, again, maybe I'm a little bit of a dreamer over here, but like I put a lot of hard work into this show and I would love for um, the show to continue to grow and really become a like something that you guys will really love to see in the future. So. With all that being said, we are part of the Campus to Canton team here. We're part of the CFF team at Campus to Canton is myself, the handsome Nate Marquise above me, Brandon Sanders, Chris Moxley. We got tons of podcasts, articles, rankings, weekly CFF rankings for you guys to help you guys out with these oh-so-important matchups this week. Also, go check out our DFS content headed up by Chris K. and Ethan Sowers. They have been doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job with all of our betting and gaming content over at Campus to Canton. So go check all of that out. All right, Nate. Let's go ahead and talk about some of these games from this past weekend. Where do you want to start?
1: Let's let's start with some of the pack the the Pac-12 stuff going on because that was um you know, those games were really good and the Pac-12 found a way to shoot themselves in the foot and basically eliminate a couple teams from playoff contention uh like they always do and so let's let's talk about this washington and oregon game because that was in everything we we had hoped it would be as far as shootout potential man that was uh, a
0: really really entertaining game what do you think of it uh i'm tilting a little bit because uh troy franklin knocked me out of playoff contention uh single-handedly so like i i when i was watching that game out of the corner of my eye that was definitely not the fun experience but like again Like you said, just from a neutral perspective, this game was awesome in terms of just going back and forth. We knew Oregon was going to get caught in these games throughout the rest of the year, especially against teams like Washington who can take advantage of their poorest passing defense. A lot of people are giving Dan Lanning a lot of crap for kind of the end of the game, and I get why. He definitely made some decisions that I think were bad calls like I don't think you go for it on fourth down when you have your backup quarterback in there Ty Thompson who you have not shown any ability to trust all year long did they did they have a timeout in that moment right there
1: before the fourth down play I honestly don't know but like they I don't know either because that was such a weird the way that that whole situation transpired where uh I mean <laughs> Bo Nix comes out of the tent Yep. With like 20 seconds left on the play clock. And he's jumping up and down like screaming to Dan Lanning. I'm good. I'm good. Let me go. And Lanning just told him sit tight. And then and so I was thinking, I was like, maybe he'll call timeout and not run this fourth down play. Surely he's not going to run this fourth down play
0: with Ty Thompson.
1: Thompson I think they were on like their own like 38 or 40 yard line or something like that. Yeah, it was just like, man, if you have a timeout, you have to use
0: it right there to get Bo Nix back in the game. And it's know? like they 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 had Ty Thompson out there, but they also had Noah Whittington out there. Like Noah Whittington is not their best back. Right. They, they, they didn't even have Bucky Irving out there, who's been phenomenal for yeah. Oregon last couple of weeks. Uh, he'd be a great CFF asset if he could find the end zone every once in a while, thanks to Bo Nix. Um, right. yeah. But, you know, it was a learning experience for Dan. I Again, he's we we give freshmen a lot of like leeway in terms of like okay they make freshman mistakes. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing can be offered to Dan Lanning here. He's having a really phenomenal season for Oregon. I think Duck fans are very happy with where their program is already at under Lanning. I think that I think that they will be happy with where he goes forward here. They just got to realize that in his first year, he's got he's got stuff to learn, you know. Yeah, I mean
1: his aggressiveness throughout that game is what got them in that position. Same thing mm-hmm. that's got them in this position all year long. So I, I agree with the idea of well, you've been aggressive up to this point. No need, don't, like, don't change it now. Whenever the game's really on the line, I. But it just but they were
0: up seven points, if I remember correctly.
1: No, it was tied.
0: It was tied at that point. It was I tied. Could...
1: It was tied. They were on their own, like thirty-eight or forty yards, somewhere between thirty-five and forty. So it was a okay, situation I think I'm... where, if he gets it then they keep going downfield and they try to kick the field goal or whatever score to win. But if he doesn't get it, the game, like he's in a really bad spot and yeah. cause Washington's a play away from being in field goal range. Um, but yeah, so I, I like the aggressiveness. I just would have preferred he did it with his best players and not guys that are taking their first meaningful snaps of the year. So, yeah, but yeah, I mean um, it's, it's uh, it, it was kind of the, You know, another great game with Arizona and UCLA. If you wanna, if we want to slide over uh, to that one, I was I was gonna point out just a
0: few CFF nuggets from Washington Oregon real quick. Again, like pretty much every person that you wanted to go off in this game did go off. If you were a Bo Nix holder, though, I think for the first half of that game, you were definitely kind of shaking in your boots just a little bit because I don't believe it was until the first second half that Oregon that Bo Nix threw his first touchdown. Yeah, I I don't know. I I felt like even
1: even a halftime of that game because I was talking with a, a buddy of mine. He he uh, he was a Bo Nix owner, and um, we were talking about this game. And I was like, I, I think you need to load up on some guys like Franklin and stuff like that in this game to go with Bo Nix and, and McMillan. So he added a couple of players, and he was like, God, this first half has not been what I hoped it would be. And I was like, I don't know. I get the feeling that this is they're they're about to take the top off this game. I would this, say twenty one.
0: Yeah, some things. Twenty one points in the third quarter.
1: Yeah. They as as the game kind of picked up, it it started to kind of get that shootout feel. It was just kind of choppy in the first half. Yeah.
0: Now we can pivot over to Arizona UCLA. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: I was just gonna say it was it was awesome to see Charbonnet back. And man, the Arizona defense is the perfect defense to start a running back against. It is. Um, it was, if you were, if you were a DTR owner though, boy, that one stung. If that was what you
0: needed to get you into the playoffs, because he did not perform at that level. He got me just enough. Yeah. He got me just enough. It was great. I needed him in two leagues and he got me enough. So I'm not angry at him, but again, if you were, if you were relying on him on 30 points from him, yeah, you're definitely very disappointed.
1: I dude, it is it is so awesome having players go against if you're starting players against Arizona, because they're the perfect, they're mm-hmm. the perfect fantasy team because they score they're They're similar to wake forest. They just score a ton of points and they score in a hurry and the games go forever. There's a bazillion plays and they can't play any defense. It, yep it's, But what a, a crushing blow for the PAC 12, you saw a matchup against USC next week. And um yeah, I mean you can I, I can I can almost fully guarantee that Utah and uh or uh that um that you that UCLA will beat USC next week. That's just that's just how it seems to work out for the Pac-12s yeah. that they will find a way to lose their their best potential for a playoff contender.
0: Oh, 100%. Um again, I'm kind of rooting for USC to win out from here and I I hate that. I feel dirty on the inside for, because I don't really like Lincoln Riley and like what he did to Oklahoma and like what he's done with USC and everything. But at the same time, I don't want to see Tennessee in the playoff because I'm just not a big fan of these teams, uh, not even winning their division and then being able to go to the playoff. That feels wrong to me. Uh, I'm sure Georgia will benefit from it at one point. Um, But Again, I'd ra- I'd rather see you know conference champions or even people who at least went to their conference championship make the playoff over a team like that. So basically, the best way it's going to happen is if U- USC wins out. Um,
1: yeah, I I mean they've got uh, what Notre Dame and UCLA left, I believe. Yeah. So um,
0: definitely some landmines there.
1: Yeah, their schedules, and then obviously the Pac-12 uh, championship, whoever that may be. Um, but. Yeah, they're clearly their schedule is is backloaded because USC has yet to I don't think they've played any ranked teams so far this year. So this will be their first uh, ranked opponent that they could get a win against would be would actually be UCLA. So
0: it would it would be it's going to be a very very good game yet uh, next week and Mox and I I'm sure will be previewing that one later this week if not as a high scoring matchup just because oh, yeah, it's that- a great matchup. Um, the total,
1: the total on that's going to be, I, I would guess, in the low seventies, mid seventies. Yeah, I would say low seventies. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, call it now, Nate. Who is the Pac-12 championship matchup?
1: Um, I will say, so I, I haven't looked to see what the um what the path is. I, I I'm going to assume that USC beats UCLA. Even though I, I would love to see the chaos if they don't. Um, let's. I just think that they got the best player in the country on their team, so. Uh, so I'll say USC makes it. Let's see. That gives UCLA a third loss, um, and then I say Oregon beats Utah. So I'm guessing. I I think that mathematically that means because Washington has two conference losses. So that went, that loss that Oregon had to Washington. I still think Oregon's in the lead there. So okay. Um, yeah, I'll say you.
0: I'll say the long way of saying USC and Oregon. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't realize this until really they were talking about with the SEC this week that like conference championships are getting locked up at this point. Uh, ACC matchup is already locked up. That's Clemson versus North Carolina. Um, SEC is now Georgia versus LSU. Big 12 hasn't officially been locked up, and we'll go over there next where TCU, number four TCU, did what many of us thought they couldn't do. They pulled the upset over Texas in what was probably one of the ugliest freaking games any (laughs) ranked re-ranked matchup you probably will see ever like we thought this is a shootout potential game like these both of these got teams were reaching the 30s if not the 40s guys are going to make plays all day long and neither one of them could really get on the board it took two massive plays from tcu to even find the end zone one was a 75 yard Touchdown run from Miller, another single play that knocked me out of playoff contention in another league. Um, I, I lost a lot of close games this week. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Quentin Johnson just being wide open. I was kind of surprised to even see him play in this game because from what it sounded like, he was headed towards not playing. Um but TCU yeah. does just enough, and quite frankly, they look like they're on the path to 13-0 and and possibly a playoff spot, which feels weird. That's not what we expected from a couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah, a few things stood out to me from this game. One was a lot of people were probably depending on Bijan this week to get them in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and uh, it's crazy when the best running back in the country is the guy that lets you down, but that's how it played out. Another thing that stood out was is that this game just looked to me like it was both teams had a mismatch of their defensive line versus the other team's offensive line. Both of yep. these offensive lines are um, kind of a ragtag bunch, and they're much better at run blocking than they are pass blocking. And so they kind of beat up on the, the opposing team's offensive line uh max duggan does not look healthy he doesn't he does not look like the same player since he hurt himself um against i think it was i think it was kansas maybe i can't remember exactly which game but he he dinged up his shoulder and he just he took a ton of shots in this game he does not have the mobility that he had earlier in the year um and one thing to look out for Quentin johnson did play in this game but on that on the in the last closing minutes of the game when they needed a third down conversion and they hit him on like a little uh, slant, he picked it up. He re-injured his ankle. And oh we did Lord. not we we didn't get to they like they couldn't really focus on it, but he could not put weight back on his foot after that play. He the guy that was tackling him was one of those moves where he kind of rolled and Johnston's foot was underneath him. So um, we're back in the exact same boat we were in this game. I just because he played in this game, I do I do not think that guarantees him that he will play next week.
0: No, no, great great call out on that. And now Texas moves to six and four. They're kind of heading towards the season that uh, I mean again, this was a team that people thought was going to be a playoff team at one point, and now they just dude. It's, Texas it's, things. Okay, here we go. Yeah, let me let me old okay, Texas things.
1: Yeah, let Texas again. The Texas is back scenario. Let the OU guy go on a little bit of a raid. I would say, here. like, we're letting the, letting the Crimson flag fly here. Every damn year, we go through this with Texas, where preseason it's like, oh, you know who I think's got a real chance at the playoffs? Texas. No, they don't. Every year, they have four to five losses at this time of year. They still have Kansas on the schedule, which they didn't even beat last year.
0: So Quinn, yours is (laughs) overrated. I don't know. (laughs) I don't don't know what Texas fans will do if they lose to Kansas again, dude. I don't think that they're ready for that. The
1: same thing they'll lose, they do every year. They will whine and moan for the rest of the season, and then they'll wake up in next August and think they have a great team again. It's the exact same thing they do every
0: freaking year sounds like another orange ut that i know um <laughs> except they're actually having a pretty decent year this year um anyway moving on from the big 12 do we want to go acc or do we want to go sec here nate which one are we go to? uh let's touch on let's touch on this bama game real, yes. real quick here this is a good game this is yeah. like a like again yeah. the the silver lining about bama not being as good as, like, as dominant as we're used to and, like, on the offensive side of the ball is that the games they play in are just a lot more interesting and they're a little bit more down-to-earth with the teams they're playing against. Old Miss started off real hot in this game. Alabama just kind of takes over near the end. And, honestly, Bama played, even though they only scored 16 points, they played, in my opinion, probably the best half of football they have played in weeks in the second half against the old yeah. Miss game. Like, that was the... It, it truly felt like there was, like, a lot locker room speak of, like, hey, guys, we are Bama. Let's go do what Bama does. And they came out, and they just won the game, which is probably the most important thing you could do at the end of the day. Um, Quinch on Judkins, man. We we argued about it for at length on the tailgate on this past Saturday, which you, you should go watch this segment. It was a very good uh, discussion about whether Quinch on Judkins would be a factor in this game or not. And man, did he deliver 25 carries 135 yards and two touchdowns. (sighs) Again, Nate, are we talking about him being the RB one for CFF next year?
1: He's absolutely in uh, on the short list. That's for sure. I haven't had a chance to really break it down and look at it, but he's somebody I would strongly consider. I mean, this is a situation we don't have to debate this anymore before Ole Miss games. Quinshaw Judkins is matchup proof. Um, Ole Miss is, has not only That's made it schedule. <clears throat> I mean, they have Mississippi State for the last game, the Egg Bowl. So um, I'm not sure who they have this coming week. But they have made it a point to the run game be the focus of their offense because their best two players happen to play the same position at running back. But not only is it the focus, but Judkins is that dude. I, mm-hmm. Like, I, I was thinking about this as I was watching that game. Judkins is everything we think Braylon Allen is as far as a, a back of that size, 220, 225 plus pounds. He's better. He's, he's better than Braylon Allen because one, he has more uh lateral movement and more explosiveness in, in short yardage. And I think he has the ability to develop into a pretty nice pass catcher. And we have not seen oh, yeah. that, that step being been made by Braylon Allen at all. So, yeah.
0: No, I I definitely disagree. I I I, not disagree. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Nate. Uh, Because again, you're asking me, who am I taking next year in CFF? Braylon Allen or Quinchon Jenkins? I'm going to take Quinchon Jenkins. Like I can already tell you that when my first rankings come out, that Quinchon Jenkins will be ahead of Braylon Allen, even though Braylon Allen is the Wisconsin running back. We'll see rumors notwithstanding. But uh, again, Jenkins is that really that dude? Um, What did you think of Chase McClellan? In this game, Nate, like because jameer Gibbs goes down, he doesn't come back into the game. He kind of takes over as the pure between the tackles runner for Bama, yeah, which is a role he fits a lot better than jameer Gibbs <clears throat> does. But I still, it still feels like he's not that Bama running back that we've gotten used to in the past years, where he's designed to run between the tackles. I'm still waiting on a guy like Jamari Miller, the freshman there this year, one of those guys to step up. I understand why they're not playing, but like. Feels like, they're going to fit that role much better than a guy like Chase McClellan. So what do you think?
1: I think, um, I think he's fine. I don't think he's, I don't think he's overly impressive. I, I think it's a, it's also a scenario where Bama as a whole just isn't as good as what we've seen in the sure. past years. And Gibbs can kind of hide some of that just because his his ceiling is just so elite and, and his ability to make people miss and that type of thing. He can break off big runs. The opportunity for big runs isn't there like it was with Najee Harris and, and some of the other, uh, even Robinson. You know, some of those other backs the last couple of years, the line's not as good. The play calling's not as good. As far as Jace moving forwards, um, I think he's a really strong play next week because I don't think Jameer Gibbs is going to play a single snap uh against Austin P. next yeah, week. Yeah, we'll get into we'll, that We'll, here we'll talk like about it. that. But yeah, I think I think that he's he's a really strong play. As far as for the future, um, you know, I think if he comes back and they don't go get somebody from the portal like they did with Gibbs, um, I I I would caution Jamarian Miller owners. I just have seen Saban over the years really give seniority a a pretty you know, pretty important factors in pretty importantly for him. And if you, if you put in the time and you're the next man up, he tends to go with you. Same thing we saw with Robinson, same thing we saw with Najee Harris.
0: Oh no. And uh, absolutely. And the fact that we're not seeing Miller really earn those carries this year, even with Alabama struggling as it is. Cause like, again, Branson Robinson's getting carries at Georgia, despite the fact that they've seen, or, I mean, obviously they've seen injuries at running back, Kendall Milton, Andrew Paul, stuff like that, but he's still getting plenty of carries week in and week out. Bama has had opportunities to put Jamari and Miller more in the game, and they just really haven't, not, not any meaningful snaps anyway. Yeah, so, and I, I like Miller. Oh, I, I think he's I love, really good. Yeah. I love Miller. He He's great. Yeah. I think he is the next main back of Bama eventually. Right. If McClellan comes back, that's going to be a big problem. Yep. last game we'll talk about here let's go over to the acc matchup of the week. we've got north carolina at wake forest north carolina pulls it out and the drake may heisman campaign continues throws for another 448 yards and three touchdowns game winning touchdown josh downs catches all three of those touchdowns absolutely insane day for him 11 receptions 154 yards and three touchdowns he is your wide receiver one on the weekend drake may I believe was the Quarterback two on the weekend outside of uh, Bird of Manuel at Central Michigan randomly going off for 48 points. Uh, <laughs> Nate, I got a bone to pick with you on this game. You know what I'm about to talk about. Uh, you gave us like three false alarms when it came to Josh Josh Jones's health
1: oh. during this game in this slash.
0: <laughs> Nate comes in. Nate comes in like three different times during the game. He's like Josh Jones is down. Josh Jones is down, guys. Like this, this is it. He's done. He's done. And we're like. And then he, then literally it'll be like two minutes later. He's like, Oh, never mind. He could, he just caught another touchdown. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, It was, it was the most mind boggling thing you are doing, Nate. He,
1: I am so, I am total freak out guy when it comes to injuries. I'm like, Oh my God, there it is. As soon as I see a player down, I'm like, That's it. That's it. He's done. I, I I'm a total knee jerk reaction guy. I, I'm like, That's it. Season's over. And then, but yeah, he kept going down. And then literally two plays later, every time he'd come back he would score a touchdown and so it made it pretty funny as we had it this, was it was we had this the third going. time was pretty funny yes yes and and but man he he is a trooper because he oh, was yeah. getting absolutely destroyed in that game Drake May was getting beat up too he kept fighting through it um Antoine Green was not fortunate enough to be able to fight through it he got a head injury and did not return yeah would not would not surprise me if he ends up sitting against Georgia Tech um this coming week uh and 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 that's that's probably good for down zoners because um they he's he's Green's really the only guy that's proven to take the top off the defense and and be that guy. So they may have to focus a lot more on downs. But, yeah, this was a great game. Aside from the injuries, it was so entertaining to watch. I was a little worried early in the game that maybe Wake wouldn't be able to keep up. They've just been such a disaster the last couple of weeks with those eight turnovers against Louisville a couple of weeks ago. I was like, maybe this offense is just broken, and something's not right. Something's not right with uh, – uh with sam sam hartman and that this is just going to be a lopsided game but nope no 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 the the north carolina defense does not roll that way they they will even if you are broken they will find a way to fix your
0: offense and and allow it just a ton of points so it was it was great to watch yeah i'm looking up something real quick is one more person i want to talk about here is our boy elijah green Got them uh, all again,
1: didn't he? He got him. He got every one of them. Again. He got. He got
0: it again. He is their two dude moving forward. Row. Like, and th- that's what Phil Longo said. He says Elijah Green's their guy moving forward. So, guys, big pickup right there. Ty Huge Chandler, pickup. Ty he, Chandler two like not a great running back, but he's going to get every single carry. And in these next couple of weeks, he's going up against Georgia Tech, NC State. Not a great matchup for championship weekend, but as we'll get into here in a second, some of you. Have some kind of tough matchups this week with some of your top players, and that's a great transition over to this week's rendition of the Freakout Scale, bringing it back, and we're going to have a little bit of a twist on it this week, but Elijah Green would be a great guy to pick up off the waiver wire and plug it in for just this week so that you can take care of some of these guys we're going to talk about here. So this week's rendition of the Freakout Scale... We're not going to talk about specific players necessarily or we're not going to talk about their performances cuz a lot of the guys we're going to talk or the guys we are going to talk about here are studs. They're awesome. Problem is, this week this week 12 slate includes several G5 teams going up against Power 5 teams, specifically SEC teams. So it's not even like you can block out and get western kentucky up against arizona or something like that no we got western kentucky up against auburn which auburn's rough but they still got a pretty good defense and they still played an sec caliber um so let's get into some of these and we'll start exactly with that one nate freak out scale one being start with confidence don't worry about it 10 bench these guys for sure don't like go find another option pick a guy up off the waiver wire you this this guy should not be in your lineup and then all the stuff in between. How are you feeling about the Western Kentucky players against Auburn this week?
1: I would be pretty concerned. Um, Not that Auburn's been some juggernaut on defense, uh, but they are better, much better against the pass than they are against the run, uh, even though Texas A&M really didn't exploit that uh, on Saturday. But um, I don't know that if, if you have... I don't know that you're going to have a ton of better options than uh, Austin Reed who's been a top 5 QB in the country for CFF purposes this year. So, you probably still have to roll him out. The volume should be there, the game script should be there. I just I worry that um we're probably looking at, you know, 250-ish yards and two touchdowns being maybe very well within play here. Um, mm-hmm. I and and that ceiling I think is out the window of his 405 and five TDs that we normally that we that we've seen numerous times for him this year. So yeah. yeah, I'm I'm concerned. I think you you still have to start Corley, he's just too good. Um, but I, I would I would be a little concerned with Austin Reed. And if I have just like a killer killer matchup with a guy that's that's proven it that um I, I, I may look in that direction because I don't love how much talent difference there's gonna be in the trenches in this game. I think that's probably my biggest concern. Will he have the time that he normally has?
0: No, absolutely. So let's put you at a four based on what I'm kind of feeling there. So like start, don't rely on them, and but not so far as like look on your roster to see if you have better matchups. You still yeah, think that I mean, these guys are going to be your studs.
1: Right. If you've if you've got, you know, just some some really good matchups with a QB that you would normally have a tier or two below him I might consider it but I don't I don't know that I'm, I'm I'm quick to put him on the bench I'll put it that way as far as Austin Reed's concerned
0: yeah I, again for example like in the Kings Classic League I am starting CJ Shroud this week against um I forget who Ohio State plays this week but I just know that CJ Shroud's starting um and then I am benching Austin Reed who has carried me a lot through that league but I'm also putting in Daquan Finn so like I have a clear other option that right. I can roll with for the week
1: yeah, that's a good example. You probably normally would start Austin Reed, but in this particular case, it makes way more sense to get Daquan Finn going against a, a much Bowling lesser Green. challenging defense. Yeah,
0: So I am, again, maybe maybe this is a little bit of the bias coming in because I have the ability to bench some of my West Kentucky shares and everything, but I'm going to be a little bit higher here than Nate. I'm going to put myself around a 7 I don't think it's only sort of absolutely necessary. I think there is still some value here. Looking at their game against Indiana earlier this week, earlier this year, Austin Reed threw for 329 yards and two touchdowns in that game. What, probably his lesser, one of his <coughs> lesser games of the year. So he can probably against this Auburn D probably still squeeze out a one to two touchdown game. Maybe rushing one along the goal line, um, probably still throw for 300 plus yards but again, it's not a – I don't think you're going to feel good about Austin Reed's fantasy points by the end of this game. And I think you should definitely take a long look at your roster and say like, hey, is there another person here who could easily get me 30 points? Yeah, They should be starting over Austin Reed this week.
1: I will say on the flip side too, if you play in a very deep league and you don't have great quarterback options this week, Robbie Ashford I think comes into play. I think that um, – this is a chain when you have a dual threat quarterback and you've you 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 got a guy like that against an offense that will score points but a defense that's really bad i think he's absolutely a a, an option for a very deep deep uh type of league
0: yeah all right moving next on the freakout scale we're gonna talk this one we're gonna talk about a specific player we're gonna talk about dwayne mcbride and the UAB Blazers are going up against LSU this week. Once again, another G5 program going up against a SEC team. LSU has been red hot. Re- well, I don't want to say red hot. They beat Arkansas by three points, scoring 13 points. I don't want to call that red hot whatsoever. But even still, they're coming off some really big wins. They're at home. They're going up against a G5 team. They're looking to impress the playoff committee down the stretch here. I am a little concerned about Dwayne McBride this week going up against them. Uh, Dwayne McBride has been incredible this year. He is currently, if I remember correctly, the RB3 on the year. He has just been an absolute beast in conference play throughout the year. But can we expect that once again this week against LSU? LSU is the 62nd in the country for rush defense, allowing about 141.4 rushing yards per game. Again, just because of the talent differential, I have a feeling that UAB is going to come on the lesser side of that. We've seen, now, granted, I was going to use UAB versus Georgia as an example. We later found out that was a generational defense from Georgia, but even still, like, they couldn't get anything going against Georgia last year. Are we concerned about Dwayne McBride here, Nate?
1: I'm probably less concerned about McBride than I probably am about Austin Reed. Okay. Um, just because i don't think this lsu uh, run defense is all that great and even if the game script which will likely require uab to play from behind that's just not their nature um i would say yeah. he's probably he, so on a scale of you know 1 to 10 freaking out 10 being the most i'd probably have him somewhere around a 3 um i you know, I'm not a total hey, just start your studs doesn't matter who they're playing type guy. Uh, I think it does matter, especially whenever we're talking about playoffs. But um, he's it. He's their offense. It, everything runs through him, and he has the ability to make big plays. So I, I, I think 100 yards and a touchdown is within his is definitely within his range of outcomes here.
0: Yeah, because I'm looking through his performance. He hasn't he hasn't had. A week below 18.1 fantasy points yeah, on a half PPR format. He has he has found he has found a way to score points every single week. I do think there's a decent chance that he is going to be this is going to be his lowest fantasy output of the season. Like I could see him getting less than 18 points by the end of this game.
1: Yeah,
0: I think I'm going to be with you though, Nate. I'm going to put him right at a three, maybe a four, just so I don't clog up the graphic here. I'm probably a little bit more worried than you are. And I would say just double-check your roster. See if there's anybody that is just a clear they're going to have a good day because it's a good matchup kind of deal. In which case, then you can put him over Dwayne McBride. But unless you have a surefire guy, he's going to kill it for you. Go ahead and put Dwayne McBride out there and rely on him to at least fall into the end zone at least once. They love, love giving it to him when they get down to the one-yard line. Yeah. Next up here, Last one we're really going to talk about here, and honestly, I probably could have put our Utah conversation here, Nate, as well. So we could talk about that here in a second if you want to. But first, we'll talk about Alabama offense going up against Austin P. This will be completely different here. No, we're not going to tell you about Austin P players. We're going to talk to you about Alabama offensive players. One of the biggest conundrums you face as a CFF asset fantasy manager is when your teams go up against just lower competition. How much you trust them to play enough snaps for them to get the points you need by the end of the day? Because they're going to play less snaps. However, they're probably going to get more yardage per snap out of those snaps. So you can still have a really, really good day. But if you don't hit those big plays, if you don't see them... um, if If you don't see them... We're gonna try this one more time. If they if the defense starts scoring touchdowns, their special teams start making plays, turnovers happen really quickly. You're just not seeing the normal yardage you typically see with them. Their days gonna end really low very quickly. So Nate, how are we how are we navigating specifically Alabama versus Austin Peay, but for any team that is going up against these lower competitions this week? Yeah. I
1: hate, I, I, this, this matchup terrifies me if I'm an Alabama, uh, if I'm an owner of an Alabama player for, for a variety of reasons. And it's for me, it's more specific to Alabama than just about anybody else because a lot of the other SEC does this where it's like the, the week before their rivalry games that in the season, they play these uh, you know, these rum, dum, you know, just easy cupcake, cupcake, cupcake games. Yeah. To, and th- the problem is, Alabama is just talent wise so far ahead. Yes, you're, you're, if, a, if they don't score with their studs, the guys that you're starting for Alabama in the first two quarters, forget about it. Not only are they going to be pulled, but you're looking at uh, potential for defensive touchdowns taking place, kick returns, pump blocks, all that comes into play because they're just so overwhelming talent wise not even to mention the fact that a lot of these leagues, which I 100% disagree with, a lot of these leagues will penalize you if you Mm -hmm. play an FCS opponent. And that is this this matchup right here alone is why I hate that rule more than anything. I I don't think it should be a, a deal because you're only getting... Bryce Young for a max of two quarters in this game mm-hmm. and if and if he doesn't go bananas in those two quarters and you're getting penalized like that this is this is a worse matchup for him than playing Tennessee you know what I mean like this mm-hmm. you know for playing anybody really so I hate that um, I still don't think you can sit Bryce Young especially if it's if you're getting 100% of your points I don't think you can sit Bryce Young you got to just you know, you got to hope that he gets it in those first two quarters. Um, but I do think that he's – they're pulling him at halftime. I think this is a great opportunity for Saban to see what he's got behind him. You know, get a better look at, at Milro versus Simpson. Get a better look at some of those younger guys. We could see Jamarian Miller get some run in this game. I would love that. Um, so, yeah, I, I would be terrified if, if I'm starting – I don't think you start Gibbs at all, number one, because I don't think he plays. No. Uh, if he does, we're, we're probably looking at about a quarter. Um, I I think Jace McClellan is in play just because uh, of Gibbs being out. But I mean, like I said, you, you better hope he breaks off a big run in those first two quarters.
0: Yeah. And the thing I, I'll i give a little bit of hope here for Bryce Young managers is I still think they have a lot to work on with this passing game. And that's yeah. exactly what these matchups are for. Uh, Kirby does this, Saban does this, both. When they have these cupcake matchups, they take the opportunity to solely focus in on things that the team has to work on. And so because we've seen Alabama still struggling in the passing game throughout their conference schedule, I think you'll see Bryce Young still throwing the ball plenty, trying to figure out who are they going to rely on a receiver the rest of the year. We'll definitely, definitely see. Nate, I don't have a graphic for it, uh, I should have made one for it, but I figured this would be a good time to also talk about Tavian Thomas. Yeah. Because where do you have him on the freakout list? Because he basically was non-existent for Utah until this past week in Stanford. Twenty-two carries, 180 yards, and two touchdowns. The so Tavian Thomas we've been wanting all year. Yeah. Where the hell did this come from? Why this week? <laughs> What's going on here? Should I expect this again next week? What? Is, what? What are we doing here? So
1: I, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. Uh, Jalen Glover was injured. He didn't play. Um, The other running backs have been dinged up. So and, and they've been working to get him. Apparently, he had to jump through some hoops in order to get back on track and in the good graces of Kyle Whittingham. And apparently, he's done that, which is great but I I think this was a game where it was that combined with Stanford's rush defense is bottom, like bottom 10. They're, they're, they're right there with Arizona yeah. and Colorado state and all those other terrible, terrible defenses. Um, so it was kind of a perfect case scenario where he was kind of last man standing and, the defense was just not going to be able to stop him, but he's good. He's really good. He gets, he he finally got to show it again last night. I'm, I'm 100% back on board. I've been waiting for this game. I know fan says that he's at hundred percent ownership. I find that so hard to believe that people Sat there and and did not that that he didn't get dropped for the last few weeks when he was not even traveling with the team. That you would be crazy, surprised
0: man. you you'd be surprised by the just the stubbornness of CFF players sometimes. Dude, I held onto shot Tyler Shuck the entire time that Donovan Smith and Baron Morton were yes. playing for Texas Tech. I had him on my bench on a very shallow bench, mind you for forever waiting for him to come back just in case.
1: At least in that case, you could justify it in your own head because the coaching staff there at tech is like, sure, we're playing them all. We're going to play them all every week. They tell you Tyler Shucks playing. Meanwhile, Utah is saying we don't like him. We don't want to play him basically. Yeah, (laughs) I got you. (laughs) But yeah, no, I'm, I don't have uh, their last two games up in front of me. Obviously Oregon is one of them and I, the Colorado. Colorado's the other game that Utah has. Oh Dude, God. If, you, if you've got Tavion Thomas, I start, I start him both games and I do that it with no quite way. a bit of confidence. Yeah. I,
0: yeah. Unless he craps the bed next week, in which case then you're just back to the oh, what are we doing? What, <laughs> what are we doing each week? Yeah. Let's get to the quarterbacks here for our waiver wire pickups. Um, our theme this week, no dynasty plays this week. We're going straight. Guys, you could pick up more than likely off your waiver wires this week that you can start in a uh in playoff matches this week and have some pretty good matchups for you guys. So let's get through these relatively quickly. Uh we got about 45 minutes left. We're about halfway through, so I think we can pace this out pretty well. First quarterback up here. We got Michael Pratt, quarterback out of Tulane, 28% rostered on fan tracks. He's one up against SMU this week, SMU's defense. Um Definitely something that quarterbacks can take advantage of, and I've mentioned this before that Tulane has been very, very good about adapting to the kind of games that their opponents are giving them. If they're if they're winning, it's going to be a low scoring affair. Their defense steps up, keeps the, keeps the offense down. If the defense bends and breaks. They're willing to get into a shootout. We saw, we saw that against Memphis. We saw that against South Florida. We saw, that against, um, we saw that against UCF this past week. And in those games is really when you see Michael Pratt really go off here. And I think that SMU's offense is good enough, especially now Tanner Mordecai seems to have found his mojo again. I think this is a matchup where Michael Pratt can have a lot of good work moving forward for here. So what do you think about Michael Pratt this week, Nate?
1: Yeah, I like I like this start quite a bit. Um, he's probably my second favorite out of the five on our list here today. Um, it's SMU. Uh, if if I'm reading that correct, they have SMU this week, yes. right? Yes. That's a. Good. I mean, that's a. That's that's a just perfect matchup. Start him. Start Tajay Spears. Uh, it's it's the best you could hope for because uh, you know SMU will be able to keep up with Tulane a little yep. bit and. Uh, they they do not play good defense so yeah I say start start him with confidence he this is a good example of if you own Austin Reed and you you know you you would never start Michael Pratt over Austin Reed but this week I think it's worth considering you it know I, I think Michael Pratt's ceiling uh might actually be a little bit higher this week
0: yeah so. that that is that again that's why I wanted to focus like I we, we we first focused on the idea that we, our our waiver wire pickups are going to be just for this week. These are not this week and next week plays for playoffs. Just to be clear, this is all about just this week. You could still keep them on your roster for yeah. next week. Some of these guys got good matchups this week, but I only looked at what they were doing this week. Yep. Um, And it is to help you out with matchups like Western Kentucky going up against Auburn, help you out with Dwayne McBride going up against LSU, because if you really are afraid of matchups like that, there are options out there for you to take a look at. I mentioned Elijah Green earlier. I didn't have him as one of our wave wire pickups for this week because we talked about him last week, but right. he's definitely one as well. Um, Michael Pratt, the one last thing I'll throw out here, he is difficult to counter in terms of receiving guys because there's not a set receiver that he throws to. It could be the tight, it could be the tight end. Um, oh, my God, he's my favorite. Um, oh, my God. Why am I blanking? Tyrick James. Tyrick James. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, Tyrick. You're my favorite. For some reason, <laughs> I just blanked on your name completely. Um, I still love you. I still love yeah, you. I love you to death. Uh, Shay Wyatt, um, he's good, but inconsistent. Uh, uh, Deshaun Jackson, good, but inconsistent. Deuce Watts, Fat Watts. All these. They got good receivers. It's just none of them really step up. So nobody's going to be picking them up off the waiver wire and starting them against you, hoping to counter you. Next quarterback we got up here. This one, bit of a caveat here. He got injured this past week against Miami. I don't know if he will be back or not, so definitely keep an eye out for injury information for him. But I'm talking about Zach Pyron, the freshman quarterback at Georgia Tech, who since he started three weeks ago has had a pretty good start, I would say. Again, 17 points against Florida State. It's not great, but it you know for a first start against a pretty good defense in Florida State, I would say you know pretty good job up against Virginia Tech. Twenty six points, he had a pretty good day there. He, uh, ran the ball quite a bit. Miami of Florida, he was on his way to a pretty good fantasy day. He hit over fifteen points before he got injured pretty early on in that game. So if he is back for this week, he's got an epic matchup here. He's going up against UNC, which if you haven't learned anything. By this point in the year is that anybody going up against UNC is definitely somebody to look out for. And we'll talk about another Georgia tech player to look out for here in a little bit, but Nate outside of the injury concern here, again, obviously if Pyron turns out to be injured and out for the game, don't play him. But what do you think about Pyron assuming he plays? Um,
1: Well, so I was looking it up a minute ago while you were, while we were discussing, uh, while you were talking a second ago and it, the rumors are he does have a broken collarbone. Oh. Um so I I and there there seems to be a lot of that floating around. There's a I'll I'll put it this way there's a ton of smoke. So I don't know. Ton of uh, smoke. I yeah, I don't know that we need to spend too much time on him. Well
0: then I'll shift it then. Zach Gibson I, I, is the backup.
1: Is Zach Gibson Zach Gibson's terrible. I was I was saying like
0: the problem is he's bad. But um no, I think there's a chance
1: I don't know what the deal is with, with Sims. Um i because supposedly he's practicing supposedly he's like he's out there but he's not it almost feels like he's entered the portal but he hasn't officially yet it's kind of weird um i think this is actually a game where we could see um uh fomichon fomicon however you pronounce it tyson Fomichon, fomichon the transfer yeah the transfer who came over from clemson right um I, I think he might actually be the guy that gets some some action in this game so I, I think it's a total avoid right now for me which sucks because it's North Carolina and you don't mm-hmm. want to avoid you don't want to avoid them but too much too much injury and, and weirdness going on there
0: Dang. I guess we'll move on then next okay. up here we got <laughs> will Howard quarterback out of Kansas State I uh, God Adrian Martinez almost he almost cost me a playoff spot this week a lot of players costing me and almost costing me playoff spots this week. <laughs> Adrian Martinez goes down to injury again because apparently his body is made of paper mache now. Um Will Howard steps in once again and just does Will Howard things. Has another pretty decent day. Um and fits right into this uh uh Kleinman system that he's been running over there at Kansas State. Uh t- another 20 fantasy points yesterday against a pretty decent Baylor defense. Uh He's got West he's got West Virginia this week. And West Virginia is one of the worst defenses in the um the big 12. I believe that Kansas state absolutely could take advantage of this. And Will Howard, like I said, he runs that offense extremely well, no reason to believe that he couldn't put up at least like a 25 to 30 point fantasy day for you. And you call it a day. So Nate, what do you think here?
1: Yeah, I love it. This, this is the one that, that I actually probably prefer even over uh, Pratt. If now you, the, the risk here is that you do have to monitor Adrian Martinez status. Yes because it didn't look like his injury was that bad. Um, but I think there's a chance, so they've been trying to preserve Will Howard's red shirt. And so far he's used up three of the four games that he can possibly play. Mm-hmm. He can play, he can play one more and then red shirt so they could technically start him this game against west virginia and then go back to martinez so keep that in mind for the last game of the year you you may just be picking him up for one game in will mm-hmm. howard will howard is better than adrian martinez he's better for this offense than adrian martinez he's yeah. not as explosive but um i will say this is a great matchup against west virginia they're not very good on defense and um if he's if will howard uh is Is healthy going into next year he's actually been a little dinged up he's a good runner and we haven't seen that we haven't seen that from him this year because he's uh he's been a little he's been a little dinged up uh from the first game he played against TCU but he fits this uh Colin Klein's the offensive coordinator there and if anybody remembers Colin Klein he was a fantasy just absolute monster and he he even went to new york as the heisman trophy finalist and will howard is like a spitting um clone of him but actually passes the ball a little bit better so i love this uh if if we get if we get word that it's uh, not going to be adrian martinez this week
0: i love will Howard for this matchup yeah i mean either one i think works really well for this matchup again obviously adrian martinez um I, I think either one of them, this is a matchup that you would want to play either one, whoever if starts. You, if
1: you own Adrian Martinez, you this is a must pickup for you oh, 100%. To, to get that handcuff. And then you can potentially go back to a more healthy Martinez in the championship week. And then hope he so, doesn't get injured again.
0: Um, right, right. But from, there's
1: talk. There's talk that they... The, the fans are pushing really hard that they want Will Howard to just – they've got a, a really good freshman QB coming in next year. They're like, why, are yeah. we, why do we want to redshirt him so that he can have like three years left after this year? No, just play him, and then yeah. he'll have two years left, and then we can go to the freshman.
0: I would be surprised if Avery Johnson stays at Kansas. Um, <laughs> from one running back – or one running back – one running QB to another – Let's go over to San Diego State where we got Jalen Maiden. It looks like they finally have settled in on their quarterback. And it is a guy that is pretty good at running the football. Um, He is going up against New Mexico this week. He has, over the last three games, seen two hit above 28 points. As long as these teams get into a shootout, he seems to be a, a guy that you love to see. My only concern is, again, New Mexico while they're a bad offense, they got a pretty stingy defense. And so I could see this game being kind of a lower-scoring game. I'm not as confident in this one, but Nate, you specifically asked to put him on here. So what do you like so much about Maiden this week?
1: I just think that... <clears throat> excuse me. I think that the staff has enough confidence in him now where they're kind of opening up this offense a little bit. And he went... um he went up against San Jose State last weekend, who's proven or this this past weekend, who's proven to be a pretty good uh, defense so far this year. And he still put up almost 30 fantasy points. So I think that even against a decent um, New Mexico defense, I still think that he could put up some points here. I think it, it he he has proven that he can open up this offense and uh, they just kind of look they look a lot different now. And then the staff has confidence in him.
0: Uh, last quarterback we'll run through here real quick very similar, again, super similar same conference, same running style quarterback, but we got Taylor Green uh, quarterback at a Boise State 7% roster, he's going up against Wyoming this week, Wyoming is awful he has seen some pretty good weeks the past couple weeks, two games above 20 points if you're really looking for a pretty safe play, I think Taylor Green is your guy here, he provides, provides a pretty nice safe rushing up floor right there opportunity to run into the end zone at any given time Nate, any additional thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, this is you know this is probably a deeper play, um, but I do think that there's big play upside with him. He's not a great passer right now, but he can bust off, uh, you know, a 40 yard touchdown run at any moment, um, and I think Wyoming allows for some of that. Uh, so yeah, I just think that he's you know if you're if you're digging around for for a deep QB move, uh, I think he is is a decent option for
0: you. Last quarterback I'll throw out here real quick is an honorable mention. Partially because we talked about him last week. And I, I've already told you I liked his last two weeks here. Um, but also because he got injured last week. So once again, you got to be lookout for what's going on there. And it's Rice. So good luck finding any information. Uh, but TJ McMahon. Uh, he's got two good matchups in the last two weeks. He's going up against UTSA this week. Next week, he's going up against North Texas. If he starts... He is the reason why that offense is even humming. Just look at what happened to that offense after, uh, Mc- like it was already a bad day for McMahon. He had two pick, he had two picks in the end zone last week, and then he got sacked and injured, and then the offense completely fell apart. If you were like me and you started Ra- Rosner or McCaffrey last week, uh, you were crying into your pillow that night. Um, <laughs> so definitely something to look out for if he starts again this week. I would heavily consider putting up up against UTSA. Running backs. This is the one where I felt like we have the best options to look at here. Nate, again, if you're struggling at running back this week, this is where I think you want to go and find your guys. And we'll start off with the first one here. Mr. Devin Maccabee, running back out of Purdue, 16% rostered on fan tracks, going up against Northwestern this week. talked about him a couple of weeks ago. He, went, he then went and got injured. And since then, pretty much whenever Purdue is in a close or ahead in a game, he is getting upwards of 20 to 30 carries. And whenever they fall behind, like they did in the Iowa game, he gets game scripted out pretty quickly, unfortunately. But they're going up against Northwestern this week. I would be surprised if that is not a close or a game that Purdue pulls ahead in. So I expect Makabe to get plenty of work this week. Nate, what are your thoughts on Lockerbie?
1: Yeah, this is this is a great matchup for him. This is my second. this is probably my second favorite of the uh the five running backs that we have listed here. Mm-hmm. Um say what you will about Brahms' offense, and they throw the ball a ton, you know, 40, 50 times a game. But when he finds his running back, he only uses one running back. And he that and that running back also can come into play with, uh, you'll be a factor in the receiving game, and we we saw a little bit of that. He had six targets uh, against Illinois. I'm I'm blown away. I can't believe that he ran for 100 yards and a touchdown with 25 or 26 receiving yards against Illinois. They've been just oh, shut yeah. down, shut down defense. Uh, that looked like a terrible spot to start him, um, but Northwestern is a fantastic spot. Northwestern is one of those bottom ten defenses that you want to start players against. Yeah. Uh, Mo Ibrahim just got through running for I think like seventy eight carries and six hundred and forty five yards against Northwestern. So, uh, yeah, I think a hundred yards and, and a couple of touchdowns is is what we're probably looking at here for Mockabee. a former walk on. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Hey, you gotta, you, you love the walk on stories. Trust me. It's okay? right, man. He's He's good. So, again, Mockaby, very good matchup there. We'll go over to another running back here. Let's go to Nakia Watson, running back out of Washington State, the former Wisconsin running back. Nate, you talked about it earlier. You want to start the dudes that are going up against Arizona. And not only is Watson a dude going up against Arizona, he has been on a pretty good roll the last couple of weeks since he, he has come back from injury. He has had two games, 26 and 34.8 fantasy points, respectively. Two 100-plus yard games. Four touchdowns in the last two games. Washington State is not this throw-it-all team that we wanted it to be in the preseason. They're running the ball quite well, and Akia Watson is a huge part of that now. So I feel really, really good about this play this week. And this is definitely somebody I'm targeting on the waiver wires in terms of people to start in place of guys like Dwayne McBride, if I can get them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is my favorite uh, of the running backs this week. Probably my favorite Uh, as well. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been just an absolute stud with over 150 total yards and, uh, and and at least a touchdown in both games since he's been back from injury. I thought that Jalen Jenkins was going to run with this job whenever Watson went down early in the season, Uh, And then Jenkins got hurt and then then he got hurt. Yeah. And then Watson comes back and this staff has not been shy about feeding him uh, the rock. So uh, it's Arizona. They're going to score points and Washington state is going to want to lean on the run game in order to slow that Arizona offense down and give their defense uh, some breathers. So uh, yeah, I, I think, I think he gets 150 yards and at least a touchdown in this game. I think he's a, he's, he's a, I mean, he's probably somebody that's going to be in in Moxley's top twenty for his weekly rankings. I mean, it's a great probably. matchup.
0: I, this is one of those ones where, like, I'm looking at him, like, everything lines up for him to have an awesome week. Yeah. I still have that nagging feeling in the back of my head of like he's gonna he's gonna hit like 40 yards and not get a touchdown <laughs> for just for whatever reason because that's just how CFF works sometimes. Yeah. Um. Next up, let's go to a. Um, backup running back here but like it's one that I think is an important one this next week Uh, Devin A-Chain is out he's got a boot on his foot I don't think he's coming back anytime soon here and so last week in a terrible 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 game for Texas A&M not a lot of bright spots we but we no, couldn't
1: we couldn't help ourselves could we no. with Texas A and M we found a way even when we're trying to talk up a player we still find a way to talk down about A and M for a minute
0: <laughs> uh, yeah no, if you get if you I, I wonder what kind of odds you could have gotten before the season that said that Texas A and M would not go to a bowl game I don't know uh, anyway um but again few bright spots in that game but. One of them was Amari Daniels here, the running back of the Texas A&M. He got 11 carries in this past, this past week, 83 yards out of them. He was popping off at 7.5 yards per attempt. Very, very good game for him. I think a and might have found something here, a guy they can rely on with Devin A-Chain out. Definitely somebody to look out for next year if A-Chain does not come back, I might add. Um, and guess what? The best part is he's going up against UMass. Even A and M can't find a way to screw that one up. I hope, <laughs> Jesus, Jimbo. Oh, how great it would be if they did, but no, uh, they won't. They won't. So again, yeah, yeah. I,
1: I yeah, this is one that you can just you know, this is a super deep league play as well. Just kind of throw it up against the wall, see what sticks here. But Le'Veon Moss uh, got the start for A and M against Auburn. He was awful and did nothing. And they quickly went to Amari Daniels and he got pretty much all the carries in the second half. So this is just kind of a situation where if Amari Daniels looks like he's going to start the game and they give him the ball, you can't not be successful against UMass's defense. Uh, yeah. When, when we're talking about the run game, there's, there's always a chance in this game, like we talked about with Alabama against Austin P, where um, Wegman, you know, has a big day, 300 yards through the air and a few yeah. touchdowns. And, and, but the problem is they're only, they're down to two, um, running backs that they're two, uh, scholarship running backs that they're playing. It's Daniels and yeah. Moss. I mean, there's, there really isn't anybody else. And I can promise you, you don't go from being in a boot to coming back and playing against UMass the next week. So, mm-hmm. A Shane is
0: out. Just count yeah. on that. I would have definitely. Definitely agree with that. I, I like this play. Definitely in a deeper league. See what happens out of the two of them. Because maybe, maybe Moss does have a better day next week. But like you said, if they're splitting the carries at all, Daniels is going to be a big part of that. Yep. From one SEC running back to another, let's go talk about Cody Schrader. Uh, running back out of Mizzou. Once again, Nate scared the crap out of every all of us last week when he just kind of randomly threw out the idea that Eli Drinkwitz might go back to Nathaniel Pate. Uh, that didn't end up happening, thankfully. Cody Schrader was still the main running back out of Tennessee uh, against Tennessee last week. Not a good week though. Ten carries, twenty-five yards. Quickly, game scripted out. Tennessee was they had to, they had to keep up with Tennessee, and it just wasn't working out for them. And you might say, oh, that that's pretty bad for him moving forward. Well, guess what? He's going up against New Mexico State this week. <laughs> mizzou eli drinkwitz they love to run the ball with just one guy whenever they can schrader is that guy right now and again they're going up against new mexico state he is going to find the end zone at least one or two times or during this game mizzou is going to be scoring way too much for him not to i like him to have a very big week this week nate what do you think
1: i'm nervous about this one I'm. Um, i've i've have my concerns and I would have a tough time endorsing anyone starting Cody Schrader. Yes. It's New Mexico state and I would have 100% been on board with this one before last week, but, um, Drinkowitz did use the other running backs a little bit more. Schrader went from basically getting like every carry to, uh, Pete and, uh, Elijah. What's, what's his name? Um, the young guy there. I can't remember. Anyways. He got some he got some run too. He got he got a handful of carries. Um that that's a little concerning for me that we may not see the volume that we thought we were going to get out of this game. Um so there's still a chance that um that they roll with him, but I do think that we don't see any more than
0: maybe like 12-ish carries. Well, he can break he can break one, trust me. My my Georgia Bulldogs found that one out. That's weird. He can can out. He can out. He he can't outrun Georgia's defense, but I bet you can. He can outrun New Mexico State's.
1: It's like uh, his longest run of the year. I think it did come against Georgia. Oh, it was a long run. Yeah, and I watched this guy play, and he can't outrun anybody. And I'm just like, how did he get that? That long run against georgia
0: well he didn't he didn't outrun him like they caught up to him eventually <laughs> yeah
1: he's just the problem with him is and he's an absolute just grinder and he's, he gets yeah. you three yards a carry it's basically what he's been averaging in the last three weeks um but it's it is new mexico state if you if you told me he was going to get 80 percent of the carries i would say he's an absolute start i don't know that we're going to see that though that's my concern
0: I'm more confident. Okay. I, I think I, I, I think th- I think them spreading out the carries just a little bit last week. First of all, again, no other running back got more than three carries. <clears throat> right. I think it was more about them just trying to spark something, seeing if they could get a change of pace out there. Once again, it was they fell behind. A plotter like Schrader was not the guy they needed in that moment, so they tried to move to somebody else, see if they could get anything going. I real, think he's quick, back
1: real quick, side note here, if you're a Missouri fan, how much do you love the idea that you give him an extension just to just to watch Drinkowitz lose to Kentucky with some pretty borderline coaching calls and then get boat raced by Tennessee? It's just like, man, I don't know that they're loving an extension based off of a really underperforming year just seems crazy
0: it, it seems like his uh agent knew exactly when to strike while the iron was hot <laughs> right. that's right. It. again he he, he, Winning he pushed against georgia south
1: Carolina gets you an extension that's crazy
0: to me it was the georgia game i feel like that that got that rolling more than anything else and then he followed it up with the south carolina win It's like oh see we're, we're we're on a new streak here and everything got the extension was like all right boys kick it back for the year we ain't doing crap right. um uh, Anyway, last but not least, let's go to another SEC running back. Got a, got a three of those this week. Got a good slate here. Uh, we talked about Dwayne McBride going up against LSU, but let's talk about the running back on the other side of the field. We got Josh Williams, running back out of LSU, 2% rostered. He's been on a roll recently. 10-plus fantasy points in the last four games each. Uh, 19 carries against Arkansas last week for 122 yards against Ole Miss. 17 carries for 76 and then against Florida, he had 14 carries for 106 yards. He has gotten a touchdown in four out of the last five games. It's hard not to start him in a game against UAB where we expect at least LSU to find plenty of scoring opportunity against a G5 opponent. Nate, I like this quite a bit. I think this is a great call. Credit to you on this one for pointing this out. What? Anything else you want to add on him?
1: No, I think it's a solid option. Um, the, the concern is like we talked about with Alabama, uh, if, if, uh, Jalen, Jane Daniels gets, uh, gets hot early, gets a few rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown. And and by halftime we see the starters kind of pulled one of those situations is kind of worst case scenario, but, um, I don't think LSU's defense is capable of keeping teams, uh, you know, down. So I think that it's, I think it's a solid, I think it's a solid play here. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, the, there's there's an issue with the floor, but like you said, he's gotten in three of the last four games, he's gotten over 14 carries. So the volumes the volume's not bad.
0: No, not bad at all. Couple of honorable mention running backs I want to throw out here real quick. First of all, say Van Geera is still at 39%, y'all. I ought to flog each and every one of you that is allowing this <laughs> to continue. Uh he is a beast. Bangura go bang bang. Only thing I can think of is
1: that I don't know. Are are sixty one percent of the league's best balls, and he just didn't get drafted
0: in them? No, because I, I I've <laughs> seen people go well above uh their, the forty percent margin. Because like, um, anyway, um, we'll get into that later. And then two other running backs I want to throw out here. They're going against each other this week. Uh, Kyrie Robinson, running back out of San Jose State, had a rough week this past week against San Diego State. Got game scripted out just a little bit. He's going up against Utah State. I expect that game to be a lot closer, if not favorable, to San Jose State, and he should have a pretty good day there. And then the other one is Calvin Tyler, the running back out of Utah State, going up against San Jose State. A little less great about that one. Again, he'll be game scripted a little bit more. I don't expect Utah to be ahead in that game, but I can't ignore the fact that he has had a lot of good games recently, even in games where it seems like Utah State would not have been close. So... I'm going to throw him out there and you guys do your own research on whether or not you think he has the stats to back up a start this week or not. Let's get over to the wide receivers here, Nate. Uh, Last section we're going to go to here. I'll explain why with the tight ends here in a little bit. It's not a long explanation, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on the tight ends this week. Let's talk about these wide receivers, Nate. First one we got up here, Elijah Badger, wide receiver out of Arizona State. 24% rostered on fan tracks, and he is going up against Oregon State this week. We talked about Oregon State a little bit last week with Chris Moxley. We don't love running backs that go up against them. I'm a little bit concerned about Validate this week, but they do give up quite a bit in the past, and Elijah Badger has been on a roll recently. He has, in the last five games, he has seen nine-plus targets in each of them. He has seen 18-plus fantasy points in half PPR formats in four out of the last five he has scored a, at least one touchdown in four of the last five games he has scored five touchdowns in the last five games he when arizona state needs to move the ball through the air this is the guy they go to and they're going up against oregon state this week i feel like oregon state's going to be ahead they're going to need to pass the ball a little bit more to keep up with it i feel pretty good about starting elijah badger this week what do you think nate um, I'm probably
1: a little bit less confident than you are. Uh, I I don't love starting passing options against Oregon State's defense. Um, I think probably 15 points is maybe what you can count on here, you know, about what he did against Washington State. I think that's a pretty comparable defense. Um, I I like some of the other options on our list today a little bit better, but you are getting a clear, uh, you know, Arizona State's clear wide receiver one there. His volume has been really nice over the last half of the season here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I didn't want to believe in him in the first half of the season and everything. I just didn't want to believe in any Arizona State wide receiver. I didn't like their quarterback situation and everything, but he's been too consistent for me to ignore at this point. So we're going to roll with him. Next up here. Talk to, we talked to Quan Finn very briefly earlier. Let's talk about one of his top wide receivers here. Uh, Jerjuin Newton. Yes, I did look up how to pronounce that name. Uh, Jerjuin Newton, wide receiver out of Toledo, rostered on 11% of rosters. He has been another wide receiver that is, has seen pretty good work the last couple of weeks. Um, he has seen seven plus tar- or six-plus targets. We'll go back a little bit further. Six-plus targets in four of the last five. Maxion games, he's been doing very, very well. Double-digit fantasy points in four out of the last five games, and he's going up against. Thank God, Bowling Green, not one of these sneaky good matching defenses like B or like Miami of Ohio or a team like that. Bowling Green has been very porous, and I expect Newton to have another pretty big week here. So, Nate, what are you thinking here?
1: Yeah, I like it. Um, he's been pretty boomer bust lately, but if you look at it. The two games that he was down where he did not do much, he didn't have much fantasy output with the games where um, the uh, quarterback brain fart here, what's his name?
0: Daquan Finn.
1: Daquan Finn, geez. Uh, the, it was the games where Daquan Finn was also uh, banged up and yep. either didn't play or left early. Good call. So when he's with Daquan Finn, uh, his numbers have been really, really impressive. So, yeah, i i think you can throw him out there with confidence now that we've seen finn back and you saw his fantasy output rise as as soon as finn was back in the lineup
0: yeah so i i like this call quite a bit i also like uh the toledo tight end turner if you're looking for like a quick pickup right there he's a pretty good pickup this week but uh again we're not going to go too in-depth with tight ends because we're running out of time and also sorry tight ends uh next up here i feel like i shouldn't have to talk about this person because i feel like We established a long time ago that this was a fantasy play, but, like, for some reason, his roster ship just never got above 40%, and I feel like there's a good matchup this week, so let's talk about it. Corey Crooms, wide receiver out of Western Michigan, rostered on 36% of rosters on fan tracks. He's going up against Central Michigan this week. Not a terrible defense, but not, like, a great defense either for Maction. Very (laughs) neutral, I would say, overall. Hard to ignore the volume he's gotten over the last three weeks, 11-plus targets in each of those games uh, 200 yard performances. I don't want to talk about his performance against Miami of Ohio, where he had 13 targets with <laughs> three receptions. Don't worry about that. Cause central Michigan are again, they're an average defense for the Mac. They're not Miami of Ohio. For some reason, Miami of Ohio, very good defense in the Mac this year. I would not start any Mac players against Miami of Ohio this year. Um, Believe it still, Crooms very much on a roll. The new quarterback situation is definitely helping them out there. And he is the way that they are moving their offense. Uh, it is, a, it, again, their uh, running back situation, Sean Tyler, is fine. It's not great. Darius um, Jefferson, I believe, is still suspended. So Crooms really is one of the main ways that they are getting the offense rolling. It explains why his target share has been so high. I feel pretty good about Crooms. What do you think, Nate?
1: Yeah. This is, I mean, this is a guy that should have been on the rosters from the very beginning. You should have drafted Corey
0: Creams. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm yeah, saying. I feel like I shouldn't be talking about him right now, but I am. Yeah,
1: volume's great. The only thing I will caution, same thing we talked, uh, same same goes for Newton um, is our, our resident meteorologist at Campus Cat and Chris Moxley has already put out uh sound of the, uh, the alarm a little bit of some of these matching games. Just keep an eye on the weather. Um, I know that, there's some some stuff brewing somewhere between like Michigan and Pennsylvania or something, Ohio and Pennsylvania. So it yeah. could factor into these games to just kind of monitor the weather. But otherwise, if if all's clear, then I think all systems go for both Newton and Kremes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All righty, Nate. I'll have to admit to you, this next one, this next call, I don't really like it. <laughs> I love it. So Nate, we got Dominic Lovett here, wide receiver out of Missouri. What what do you what do you like so much about him? You, you love you love it. I love it.
1: Is, you love it that we're talking I, about. I love
0: I, I had to make a joke like that at some point. I, I literally I sat down before the show as I was typing in his information. I'm just like I'm gonna make that joke at one point, point. and like I had a plan later. Of like you doing his old spiel and then making the joke and I'm like, no 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 I can't give Nate the opportunity to make the same joke because he absolutely will go for it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just say it right at the beginning, regardless. Nate, love it. What's so good about him this week, uh, especially since you're a little down on Schrader? What's what's up here? Why do you like love it more?
1: well we talked about the defense that they're playing with new mexico state um this is the one time where eli drink eli drinkowitz can say hey look at us look at our great offense we're going to do great where my consign my concerns lie with schrader and his usage dominic lovett has been the primary target there for brady cook now that's not great I Nobody, it's not
0: saying much right
1: it's not saying a lot but it, people think oh this is you know luther Burton's going to be great now what if i what if i told you that dominic lovett has three almost three times the amount of yards that luther burden does dominic lovett has been by far the most productive in the past game there at uh missouri luther burden's been saved by a few runs that he's gotten into the end zone but lovett is by far their best uh their, their most frequent target i think that uh we see them kind of you know, let loose a little bit in this game, and uh, they're going to want to run up the score a little bit so that the fans can get off of wit some. And I think Lovett could be the benefactor of that. And I, I think 100 yards and a touchdown or two is uh, within his range of outcomes this week.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. He has really been sneaky good. Like you said, everybody's been so focused on Burden. I just looked up their fantasy scores so far this year in half PPR formats. Lovett's outscoring Burden by about 50%. Like he's yeah, been one and a half times the amount that Burden has gotten so far this year. And because everybody wants a five-star, they go after him. But this is a dude that probably does really, really well Saturday.
1: Yep. They were uh, they were high school teammates, too, Burden and
0: Lovett. Oh, really? I did not know that. I, yep. lo- I love little, little snippets like that. It's so fun. <laughs> All right. Last guy we're going to talk about here. And again, th- caution here. Again, we talked about his quarterback earlier and how his quarterback still might not play based on the injury smoke that we are hearing. But even still, if Zach Pyron comes back, I want his number one wide receiver in Nate McCollum. Uh, wide receiver at Georgia Tech, rostered on 2% of rosters. Like I said earlier, they're going up against UNC. And if they get into a shootout, Georgia Tech is going to have to rely on the number one wide receiver to keep them in this game. And he has been the number one wide receiver uh, out of the last five games he has seen eight plus targets last two games he has seen 100 plus yards and a touchdown he has been pretty consistent for this uh yellow jackets offense again this is a guy that if you're gonna play him you play him this week don't worry about playing him against georgia he's somebody that like again caution on pyron i like his ceiling a lot less without pyron out on the field but even still i Still might go with Zach it go with him Zach Gibson's out there but I'm not like super confident in it what do yeah. you think Nate
1: yeah like I said I, I I don't know enough about the quarterback situation to have confidence really starting anybody for Georgia Tech even though it is North Carolina um but people don't realize this that Nate McCollum's actually pretty good yeah He's like, he's a talented wide receiver. He's somebody that if they got a functional offensive system in with their new coaching staff coming in next year, he's a really nice play dynasty. Um, Mm -hmm. He's got two years of eligibility remaining after this year. So um, sorry, I don't have a ton of confidence in him this week, but I I do have a fair amount of confidence with him moving forward into 2023.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Again, with Pyron doing as well as he is and everything, definitely you like the future of the the passing game for Georgia Tech. And like you said, they get the right hire in there. They'll be just fine.
1: Yeah.
0: Last thing we'll talk about real quick with with regards to the tight ends. First of all, we're not going to do full breakdowns of waiver wire pickups at this point because let's be real. If you're in the playoffs, you more than likely have your tight end set. Like, you more than likely have dudes that you're relying on on a pretty regular basis. You just kind of plug them in. You take the points they give you. Even if you don't have a stud like Bowers or Meyer and everything, you have your favorites that you've kind of picked up here and there that you plug in on a week-to-week basis and say, like, okay, I'll ride or die on this guy. So we're not going to go deep into that. We're not really streaming tight ends at this point. You have your dudes. And then the other part we'll throw out here is Dalton Kincaid is recovering a little quicker than i think a lot of us were kind of expecting and i think a lot of people have dropped dalton kincaid in some leagues expecting him to be out for the rest of the year just go double check your waiver wires to see if he is available kind of a similar situation to what nate alluded to earlier with tavian thomas Mm -hmm. look for people who gave up on these guys maybe just a little bit too early and try to see if you can take advantage of that real quick not promising anything but just go double check
1: yeah. I've, I've heard of some leagues where he got, where he got dropped. Yeah. I mean, it's playoff time. You got to kind of make some moves and you got to cut any players that really aren't going to factor in, in that particular week, if you need to a, get a, a W in order to make the playoffs. So yep. it's possible. He's, he could be floating around out there.
0: Yep. And with that, that brings us to the end of our show, Nate, you have been phenomenal once again, sir. Again, I can't believe that. We only got one more of these recap shows to do well no that's a lie we got two of them to do um but then we are planning on doing a big show between you myself and chris moxley we'll all get on here might be a little bit longer of a show we'll see depending on how we plan it out and everything uh where we'll recap the season look at all the trends we had look at the top players fun little recap show and everything uh, but Nate, you got yourself a big article coming out pretty soon that I know you're very excited to release. So why don't you let the people know what they can expect from that?
1: Yeah, we uh, we we touched on it briefly last week. So I have a article that is going going to basically be a uh, conspiracy theories uh, just dream article of. Potential quarterback uh, transfers and where they might end up in teams that might be looking for uh, for a quarterback. So it's going to all be, uh, you know, what ifs and what if this happened? What if that happened? But uh, it's going to be one of my longer articles because I've got a lot of guys that I want to talk about. But I, I'm having a lot of fun writing it. Uh, it should land here in the next couple of weeks. Um, and I think it's going to be a, one of the more entertaining uh, reads. If you've, if you've enjoyed anything that I've put out so far, I think you'll really, really enjoy this. And I should have it out uh, in time for people to read on their, uh, their travels uh, for, for the holidays.
0: I don't want to hype this up too much. But again, based on everything that Nate has told me and teased me with about this article, this thing's going to be a magnum opus. Like, you guys, you guys are, like, this is going to be, like, a full-on, like, Homer's epic, okay? Like, this is going to be awesome. You cannot, cannot miss that article. And if you m- want to make sure that you don't miss it, go check it out on campusacanton.com. Again, really appreciate all of you guys tuning in. Again, we're, it's crunch time. Really good luck to all of you guys in your matchups this week. Go check out me and Chris Moxley later this week. If you've got sit- start dilemmas for your playoff games, that's the where to ask it. Keep an eye out on the Twitter at Chasing the Natty on Twitter. We'll be sending out a message for your sit start messages there. Until then, really can't wait to see y'all then. Have a wonderful and blessed day. See y'all.